good afternoon and good evening and welcome again to another episode of the Tinder Bundle where believers come together to kindle their flame of faith. I am your host, The Wandering Avad, and in this series or this theme that we've been focusing on, we're looking at surviving the season. Now, before we open the word or before we do anything, let's start with a word of prayer. Great and heavenly God, we are grateful for all that you have done for us. Please bless us now as we open your word and look into your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Yet before I go into our reading and discussion, I just thought I would uh, go about approaching this a little bit different. I'm trying something out with this podcast as I learn to navigate it a little bit more. And so I'm going to spend a little time after the devotion and focus on something that continues to help us getting ready for these seasons in which we should be prepared for. And I believe it's something that we were called to as mankind. So let's open up the word. Uh, We can open up to Genesis 3, and we're going to be reading verses 26 to 30. And I read in your hearing. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and over the birds in the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that bears a fruit with it and has a seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every plant for food. And it was so. The title of the thought, is created with a purpose. God had a plan when he first created us. He designed us and designed an environment that would exist in a balanced universe, ordained it with the laws of time, mathematics, and physics, dressed it with living bio-machines and animals. And then he crowned it with man whom was made in his own image. Man was not just put on the earth for no reason, but we were made with a purpose and a function, which would honor the creator. Adam and Eve had the privilege for a while that we cannot fathom, living in perfect harmony with the world, not tainted by sin. They were given instructions that helped them see their purpose. They were to build a community throughout populating the earth, master the craft of caring for the earth, which first begun in tending their garden home. They were to be active and living a healthy diet, which for them was a whole food vegan diet. They were God's representatives on earth, made in his image and likeness, the image and likeness of God. And they lived in harmony, peace, and power until they sinned by eating the forbidden fruit. Then they were exiled. In that, now, in the outer garden regions, they would learn that the harmony was broken and that sin truly had begun to affect everything. They would see that sin was not just a bad choice, but it would be a state of being. 
in a sense, a cancer affecting everything that was a part of this creation. But despite the state of man or the world, they knew they still had a purpose and would strive to regain that balance that was lost with God, with each other, and with the world. Their purpose was, despite their new circumstances, to continue to live a life glorifying God and to work as a community to restore the world. And this would be the state we continue to walk in today. But the wise have recognized we cannot live that true balance if we are not directed by God. Today, we have many different struggles, but the principles remain the same. We see or experience chaos and seek to bring balance so that we can all live in harmony. But that's easier said than done. For us to find true balance, that true ultimate equilibrium we seek, we must go to the Creator to show us how to become balanced. We must seek to restore ourselves with Him while in tandem with restoring the land. And God alone, who gave man purpose, can show us how to execute our purpose in the way that glorifies His name. Outside of God, our purposes become cloudy and we lose the foundation that supports our truest passion. And this makes it difficult to harmonize and find peace. Are you looking for peace or balance in your life? How well are you living with the environment you are in? Why don't you take some time today and approach the mercy seat and ask God, what do I need to stabilize to bring my life in harmony with you, with my family, and with my world? And open your heart as he prepares you to return to your true purpose as you minister for him in your world, learning how to balance your life to glorify God. So as you go throughout this day, here's some things you can take some time to consider. Look at how does you being isolated affect your ability in decision-making skills? Or how does it affect your ability to feel at balance with the community? Have you considered how diet and nutrition or your physical health affects your ability to make wise choices? Or what is your relationship with your community? Whatever it may be, let us pray and ask God to help us to see our true purpose and to show us how to fulfill it and how we can bring balance into our life as we prepare for the uncertain. Let's have a word of prayer. Great and heavenly God, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we may open your word and see all the many treasures you have. Your word cannot be exhausted, for there is so much you desire of us. And our minds sometimes become so cloudy, we do not realize all the treasures you have in store. So, Lord, we ask of you to bless our minds, bless our hearts, bless our bodies. Help us to align ourselves with you so that everything we do may glorify you. And Lord, as we go throughout this day, please help us to keep in mind that every choice we make and every task we do should be for preparation for whatever seasons may come next. So please help us now and help us as we even dig a little bit more into the practical way of looking at balance. And we thank you for everything you do and thank you for being our God. Thank you for the cross and thank you for your love. We pray these words in no other name but the mighty name of Yeshua, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. We pray. Amen. Amen. Baruch Hashem. Blessings. Now, before we even uh, wrap up, I thought 
I don't want to wrap up yet. And I want to stick around here a little bit and continue to talk about this self-reliant September that is coming up. And, you know, we've been taking a look at prepping from a biblical point of view. Now, in preparation for self-reliant September, today I thought I would uh, take some time to look at what actually can help us to become balanced and how we need to be balanced to survive our future that is coming. So we're going to take a look at what is called the six dimensions of health. Now, currently, there are six dimensions. Now, if you were to go back in antiquity, it began with two, literally the body and the spirit. And they thought these were two different worlds that intertwined, but at the same time were separate. And then slowly as time went, we began to develop the mind, the body, and the soul or the spirit. Now, we won't get into debate of the difference between a soul and a spirit. Right now, we're going to be using those as interchangeable terms. But as modernity slowly slept, uh, stepped in, we began to open up and dichotomize these parts a little bit. And we came up with five, which was spiritual health, physical health, intellectual health, emotional health, and then your social health. Now, if you keep pushing just a little bit longer, later in time, I believe it was in about the 80s, I could be wrong with that date, we came out with a sixth, which was your financial health. Now, what began to happen is something that was developed more on a religious aspect because at one point in time, religion, faith, and belief was all part of the culture. It was intertwined in the past. But slowly as we went through, for instance, the age of reason and we went through the industrial age and we went through all these mind and philosophy transforming things, things that changed our worldviews and our mindset, we slowly began to separate each and every different aspect of man that people were studying as disciplines. So, that being said, even more currently, they've now even broken up a few more dimensions, which was, so now they fully have eight dimensions but these later additions were occupation and environmental but i found that these were just dichotomizing the dimensions a little bit too much now i understand it because some people focus their lives on environmental health and some people focus their lives strictly on healthy people's occupational situation but i tend to find your occupational situation can fit into financial health as well as your environmental can fit into almost all those aspects primarily physical and social and emotional health but what we'll do is just break these down a little bit and see how they can help us and how can we apply this to bettering our balance in life as well as how we can sustain through self-reliant September. But this isn't just for September. You'll find this is holistic. So the first one we're going to take a look at is your spiritual health. Now, some have coined that this is not just spiritual, but this is almost like your values and your ethics. Now, if you take a look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 it states how the natural man cannot perceive things of the spirit for they are foolishness to him neither can they uh, he understand them because they are spiritually discerned now the way we think the way the natural man thinks it thinking of the earthly the how we are connected how the flesh and stuff is connected here but we cannot escape or deny the simple truth that there are things that are above our measurable circumstances. There are things that are above what you can put into a laboratory or under a microscope. And these are the things that come into your spiritual health. 
the things that are of the metaphysics that help dictate how you choose to live. For example, how you define what is right from wrong. How do you understand the thing that drives your morals and your ethics? The way we think and our mindset, our worldview, these here, they dictate how our life begins to run. So that is why it's so important to be working on our spiritual health. The choices we make is what motivates us. And these choices we make come from the driving sources that are running inside of us. Scripture says this, uh, what, what is in the man's heart is so he speaks. And the funny thing is speak doesn't just have to be an outward speech. It's also what you speak into your mind. So it's these kind of things that drive us to be who we are. What's going on in your innermost? This is what motivates you, that passion driving force that comes within, that rides in your spirit, that allows you to keep going forward, even when others would want to pull back. And another thing that helps us understand this a little bit better is where do we gather our inspiration to drive forward? And all of this comes down to your worldview. For example, if you're a non-believer, your worldview is coming from other forms of literature or maybe science itself. And you need everything to be very logical. So those are the things. That information is what's going to influence a lot of what your morals is. The only challenge with that, without a moral absolute or something higher than us, Everyone is kind of left to dictate their morals for themselves, which means whether we like it or not, there will always be a serious conflict because, in a sense, everyone is playing little God for themselves. But for those who are believers, for example, we believe our moral absolute is coming from the word of God. And so as we look at the principles, we look at the teachings of Yeshua himself, we look at how the prophets have talked to us, how God talked to Moses. And we take all of these and apply them into a life. And now not only are we applying them to our life through prayer and stuff, as we continue to be in mindful activity of what we do, as we like to call it, living through the spirit, then our worldview is guided through God himself because of the relationship we're in with him. And because we've developed that relationship, we are able to hear his voice better. And if we can hear God's voice better, then as the Holy Spirit works in us, he can help dictate us on what is true, what is pure, what is just. But this is all coming from the worldview we hold. Because all of these alter our morals and our ethics. They alter how will we deal with people. Now for the believer... Sometimes we run into a trouble with this because we forget to rely and live off of the example that Yeshua had left and let our spiritual be lifted the way he lifted his. And we try to do these things ourselves or we try to mingle God's spiritual wisdom with the world's spiritual wisdom. And then it makes for a very messy approach. And a lot of the time, sadly, our spiritual health is a little bit weaker, and that's why people will begin to see us as faithless or as hypocrites, because our integrity isn't fully there. We are living a different way than how we speak or what our word teaches. But for us, our spiritual health, the higher it is, is the more you learn to love, the more you learn to care about what other people are doing and how your decisions, as well as other people, affect everything around. So, not only that, this worldview and this uh, uh, also defines your vertical connection, which is, I believe, the going upwards, the things that aren't attached to the world into the next realm, and how it affects your horal connection. The horizontal, horal. <laughs> Your horizontal connection is what I would call the earthly community, the people one and around us. All of this, when that is fully connected, we believe those who follow the word of God 
if you're following the way Yeshua had taught us to live, then through you abiding into his word, you have to live a loving life for one another. Now, some people don't really think God is a loving God because they also see when he chastens, when he disciplines. The truth of the matter is, discipline comes with love. Uh, scripture says, the Lord chastens who he loves. If we are never corrected, when we are going down a wrong path, that's not really loving. That's actually a very destructive approach to somebody. But once again, this comes on if you believe in an absolute, and that absolute comes from the spiritual realm. And that spiritual realm is coming from the creator of all of this universe, Hashem himself, the great and holy God, the creator. But this is how spiritual health can work within you is the better you make it is the more you balance yourself with the metaphysics of this world. As we tap into the metaphysics, you'll find that your life, things that happen in your mind, go deeper than where science can go. Because this is the realm where the unseen overlaps the seen. And those who are stuck thinking very logically have trouble working with this because there are things that are just unmeasurable that are happening. And it takes something greater, an opening third eye to say. I'm not speaking a third eye in the New Age way. What I'm speaking as in allowing your heart to open itself to the spirit of truth. And then, as long as you tap into this, you will begin to build a deeper form of your faith and hope. Because that's what gets developed within the spiritual realm. Faith and hope into the things that you can't fully understand or see, but you trust in the higher power to bring you through them. It's not that you won't face them, but you need to be brought through them. But for those who may not understand, how do you practice balancing your spiritual health? Well, for the believer, we read the word of God, we stay in devotion, and we commune, we get into the community and go with other believers to be edified and encouraged. And also we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, meditating on the word of God and praying. Uh, the world would call this being into mindful exercises, taking time to slow down, reconnect, detach, unplug, and connect with your creator to be recharged. Now, moving forward, the second uh, balance to this wheel, and the best way to look at these uh, six dimensions of health, is think about a wheel, and each dimension is a spoke holding a part of the wheel. And in a sense, the center of that wheel will be you. Now, for you to spin decently, you want every spoke of that wheel to be balanced. So the next spoke we're going to look at is your physical, your fitness, and your diet and nutrition, physical health. You see, a lot of times we tend to focus on only one out of all these different dimensions. But all of them is what makes you a balanced person in this universe. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, it says, Know ye not that you are the body, and that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are supposed to take care of this body. If we read about Adam and Eve, they were given a special diet. They were given a way to optimize the body in its best forms. They were given a diet. They were given a purpose to procreate. And if they're procreating, they're teaching them this diet. But not only that, they were put in a garden and told to tend the garden. So if they were told to tend the garden, they were also given a job to do. They were given activity to do. So they had something to do while they investigated and learned and grew in with the surrounding. This physical part is also what connects us to the earth because out of the earth we came. Yes, I know we came out of our mother's womb, but on a cosmic scale, out of the earth we came. So that is what we connect to very easily. That's our default. So we must take care of our body and prepare for life. 
we must make our bodies, in a sense, the ability to move efficiently. Uh, we've got to get fresh air. We've got to get out in that sunlight, get that vitamin D in. We have to be careful of our weight, our BMI, looking at the fat content on our body and where it is distributed can be such huge signs of how healthy or unhealthy you can be. For example, if you have all that fat around the belly, you are more prone to diabetes or other heart diseases like hypertension, high blood pressure, strokes, heart attacks, all sorts of things. Not to mention when we carry a lot of weight on our body, we apply a lot of stress that is on the body, which in turn affects the mind. And I don't know if you've recognized this, but almost with every sickness I have seen on this earth, the doctors will tell you one common denominator that helps speed up the sickness affecting your body is stress. So we've got to find a way to lower the stress levels in the body. And one of the best ways of lowering the stress levels is taking care of your body and making sure it's healthy. Uh, looking, Working at our flexibility, because um, our flexibility is what helps our mobility, the range of motion, which determines how powerful you actually become. And here's a good example. Take a look at yourself, how you move when you go throughout the house, how you run, how you do everything. Take a look at, for instance, something's on the floor. How do you bend down to pick it up? Do you actually bend your knees and squat down or do you just bend at the waist and give that lower back a real workout? How are you reaching for things? How flexible has your body become? How limber are you? When you get up, are you very tight, which shows that the muscles haven't been, you know, relaxed and stretched out? One of the best things I always advise people to do is just look at babies, look at little children, how they move. You'll watch squatting to them is natural. You'll watch how their mechanics work. And I think following a child's pattern is a good way to know if you have been taking care of your body's mobility or not. This even works with nutrition. I tend to find sometimes everybody's got to find the nutrition and diet plan that works for them and their body because of sin. It really isn't a one-size-fits-all. And we also see this in kids. Some kids are just big feeders, and they want to eat one meal and then burn that energy out. But then you watch other kids, they're like grazers. It's a, I only come to eat, and I only want to eat when my body has no energy. And if my body has no energy, then I just will keep going. And so we, if we watch some of those little techniques and learn how to apply those to our lives, I think we as grown-ups could be a lot better. Learning proper breathing techniques, how we bring oxygen into the body and out, how do we exchange it around? There are so many things we can do, especially controlling our emotions through proper breathing, as well as adequate rest. This is probably one of the greatest things I recognize most people suffer with. They don't get proper rest. And there's so many things that can affect rest. I'll take time to uh, dig into some of these uh, elements that I've uh, talked about at later dates. But rest in itself is the fountain of youth. Getting the appropriate amount of sleep and letting the body rest in the way it's designed to do determines when all the proper chemicals are released in your body that help bring rejuvenation. For example, when we choose to eat big meals before we go to sleep, there's a reason why you're snoring other than the over-relaxing of that little flappy thing in the back of your throat. But um, the body takes so much energy in digestion. When it does go to sleep, during your rest period, the problem is it's not able to take the time to do all the rejuvenation that it wants to do in your mind, sort out everything that happened through the day, in the conscience, you know, uh, how we sort our thoughts through, as well as uh, recharging 
certain cells in the body. That it's almost as if there's a night shift that comes in. The problem is digestion is for the day shift, for lack of better words. And so when that's going on, it's almost like the night shift comes in and realizes we don't know what to do here. So the body doesn't really begin to rest properly. And this is why sometimes, and there are many other things, for example, uh, screen watching screen time before you go to sleep and stuff like that or overstimulating the body period when you do these things and you don't get the rest this is why sometimes yeah you may have slept six eight hours but you get up and you're still exhausted and it's because you may have slept but you didn't get rest in addition to our physical health we also got to look at diet and nutrition now knowing what foods in our body and how it responds can make all the difference. Learning to understand in nutrition how micro and macronutrients work. And even looking at how certain foods affect the way your mind works. Aim for whole foods and natural foods. And almost everything is there for you to eat. But one of the key things is being temperate. And I'm even amazed that there was a pastor I knew who, which I didn't even know could be possible, was very intemperate with water. And he kept drinking and drinking and drinking. But he ended up having to go to the hospital because in a sense, for lack of better words, he kind of was beginning to drown his body. He was just overdoing it. And they had to get a lot of fluids out of his body. So one of the things that reminded me of simply is we have to be temperate. Almost anything can be good for you, but it's not expedient. It doesn't mean everything must be done so consistently and so much. A lot of times our nation today, we are so used to just overdoing things. And because we're always overdoing things, it's hard to understand what truly being temperate is about. Now, also, there's water consumption. We have to get in our water. What we're made out of 75, 80% water. When we continue to intake water, what we're actually doing is not just hydrating the body. We're also refueling. It's almost like running a river through the body to help constant new, cleaner water replace the old water. That is, whether it's within our muscles, inside of our stomachs, all these things. And hydration is very big because it affects all other facets of our body. Many of these things can be wrapped up into one little acronym they've developed, which is called New Start. And if you think of the acronym New Start, that's your nutrition, exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, fresh air, rest, and the last T stands for trust, which goes back to also your spiritual health, trust in God to deliver you through these in mindfulness. Now, moving forward, we can look, there is intellectual health. Now, this is something a lot of people really aren't putting enough time into. It's really sad because I've realized a lot of us in this modern way of thinking we just take information that is given to us and run with it without being critical. It's almost like we've lost the art of critical thinking. Every time we watch a YouTube video, Facebook post, TikTok, whatever it is, and then we send them out on uh, WhatsApp or other social media platforms, and we run with these things, but we haven't really sat down to look at, is it possible what I'm sending out is not true? We haven't fact-checked it ourselves. We've just believed it because it came from people we trust. We've got to learn to be intellectual with how we're doing these things. And one way is by feeding our minds positive, healthy things so we can have better discernment with what we do. Proverbs 18 verse 15 talks about an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and an ear of the wise seeks knowledge see there's no true uh, no no falseness to the truth of that cliche knowledge is power now if knowledge is power what is wisdom 
Well, wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge for the good of the unit, the community, and yourself. So then, if we can apply in a wise way that power, then some people would say, well, then what's the difference between knowledge and being smart? Being smart is how successfully we can apply the wisdom and knowledge that we have. And we must be building with our mental library. And that's what the knowledge is. It's really this mental library. We got to build on that mental library with beneficial things. Things that help. If we keep putting junk in, we can only process junk out. This is a case, for example, people who swear a lot. They haven't developed their vocabulary enough to be able to replace those words and speak efficiently. And so they go to a common swear word that has become an adjective and a noun and a verb for that matter. They replace it in because they haven't developed the vocabulary to speak out what they're really trying to say. But we have to build it up with beneficial things. In, in a way, entertainment, yeah, it can be nice, but it does waste a lot of time. And it wastes a lot of space inside of our mind when we're pushing in a lot of things that simply aren't even true. We got to read and educate. And in many cases, unlearn a lot of the lies we've been told and figure out the truth based through the word of God and the truth for ourselves of what is real. The skills that we learn must also be practiced physically. So here's another thing, and this is how the balancing of the wheel works intertwinably. You can read a book about lighting fires. If you don't get out there and practice lighting a fire, you won't be good at it. The same way you could read all these skills on how to cook. If you're not getting into the kitchen and cooking food, you won't be good at it. So we have to practice these skills physically. Mastery is in how you share your knowledge as well as we've got to make sure we're taking time for mindfulness. And in this mindfulness then we are beginning to help balance and decompress using the wisdom we've learned on knowing to slow down. Like a lot of people don't even realize this is how the school system is set up. When you go for your bachelor's, your bachelor's is, okay, you are informed in a topic. If you get your master's mastery, that now means you are informed in a topic enough that you can teach other basics and the difference between your mastery and your phd your doctorate our doctors have mastered their craft that they are able to teach the masters teach the teachers but yes moving forward on to the fourth spoke the fourth spoke is one that has been growing in recent development, came about through the sociologists, which is our emotional health, also known as emotional quotient, managing emotions. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, A fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. People who fly off the handle are people who can't control their, their emotions. People who pull back and become secluded when they hear something that is a little conflicting are having trouble controlling their emotions. This is something we have to learn, which is how to still live in a healthy manner despite the emotions we feel and the emotions that we normally lose control of. And normally handling our emotions comes from childhood traumas or other tra big traumas that happen that we never healed from. But we've got to tap into all of those giants that are there and slay them down and recognize people today should not have to pay for the traumas of the past caused by somebody else. Hence why we have to learn to control our emotions. This is what makes us very healthy and balanced, especially in our social health, because this is how we will communicate with others and it will show how well you can remain composed. 
See, handling emotions is a challenge for many people nowadays. We are overstimulated and being indoctrinated to live by feelings. And so, therefore, critical and objective thinking has been tucked away from the general populace. Everyone is becoming very hypersensitive. Forgive me, I like to call this world being sissified. We are not learning to manage our emotions and not even able to face hard truths that are just simply truths of whatever that time and era is. Uh, in this whole lack of proper emotion, it's been building also a victim society amongst people. Everybody is always trying to blame somebody else, which makes them not able to be accountable for their role in things because they don't like dealing with those feelings of how their own feelings cause the situation. So this is challenging, but it's important for conversations or else if we can't do these uh, ch challenging things with dealing with our emotions, then we can't speak effectively. We can't hold effective communication. And in a sense, it's kind of sad because a lot of this comes from the education system. And in my opinion, it's been failing us in this regard because it hasn't been properly teaching us how to handle our emotions. It's been teaching us, though, how to emotionally defend our emotions, which is counterproductive for the end goal. Going on, we've got uh, the fifth wheel, which is your social health. And your social health really deals with your environment and your community. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, Without counsel, people fall. And there is safety in a multitude of counselors. In simple, we need to know how to socialize and positively exchange ideas, communicate words, and energy. We have to help one another. No man is an island. And harmonizing with the environment so that we are not abusing it and exhausting it helps us build a safer, healthier environment for other peoples, including ourselves, to function at a healthier pace. But the whole thing is, if we don't know how to communicate with each other, then we can't build on our teams. We can't build in our networks. We wouldn't know how to effectively uh, communicate and then build together a community where you can feel you are in a safe environment. And this, the beauty of this, is this social health begins first in the home. The home is the first community you will ever know. So it is up to us to design our homes into a healthy community where we learn to exchange ideas and talk to one another, not always talking down, but also lifting up, edifying one another, speaking positivity and driving one another into the best versions of ourselves as well as how we build up our homes is our first sign of the environment. For example, if your home is messy on the inside, the outside of your home and your environments are probably going to be messy. If your bedroom is messy, your environment outside of the bedroom will probably be messy. It starts from the micro scale and stems outward. And so we learn cleaning up ourselves begins to start cleaning up the community we are a part of, as well as the environment we are a part of. And as we slowly infect one another, then we become healthier in our social, in social health, our community, and the environment. The last spoke that we're going to just briefly touch on is our financial health. Now, this normally deals with your occupation, the ability to obtain and trade resources. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. The wise man knows how to store up, how to prepare for the rainy day or the days that need particular resources. But a fool, as soon as he gets his money, as soon as he gets his resources, he finds a way to burn it. Now, by my own admission, 
I know in my life where I've been a fool when it comes to how I steward my money and my resources. Matter of fact, I could see where I've been a fool in regards to many of these dimensions, which is why daily we work on balancing the full wheel. Sometimes I almost suggest to people every week, one day of the week, pick one dimension to focus on. And then on the seventh day of the week, just rest and abide with God, rebalance yourself and just, you know, become mindful, meditate and relax, rest from the world and then go back again into the six. But I digress. Going uh, going back to financial health, we have to make sure in our purpose, we figure out how we are useful into contributing into the community of the world. So we have to work. We have to tend our own gardens and develop a source of income to survive in the healthiest way possible. Paul, in one sense, says those who don't work shouldn't even eat. So in a sense, we must learn how to work for our meat. I'm not saying that you have to work for your meat in that means of or else you don't eat, but we must contribute for when the resources are pulled together and we want to use them as well as learning to network because some resources you cannot provide for yourself. For example, I've learned with Self-Reliance September, I cannot make salt for myself. So when it comes to salt, I have to figure out another way to obtain salt. Uh, So this can go with anything. Somebody building a house, you're building a house, you may not be able to cut wood yourself, so you must be able to use your resources now to trade or barter, buy and sell to get those other resources to build your house, if you get what I'm saying. And so it is mindful that we have put our bodies to work and our minds to work to produce an occupation in which we can obtain resources to help the community as well as our family unit and ourselves. And that there is, in a, in a kind of nutshell, the six dimensions of health. And these six dimensions of health is what will determine how prepared you are for the world that you are in and that you will live through. Everything the world can throw at you determines on how you have taken care of yourself. For example, if things get really bad, you might be the person who's so scared, but because you're unprepared and you haven't worked on those parts of balance, you are locked in fear and there's nothing you can do. But if you've worked on preparing yourself for certain situations, you can be the one to help those locked in fear, talk them down, talk down the person who's being very having an anxiety attack because the situation's so overwhelming, becoming balanced to deal with them because you've been focusing on yourself. These balance, these six dimensions is what also deter- determines how resilient you will be and how peaceful you will be in your life. Not to mention, you will be less likely to be blindsided by the enemy and its forces because you have also been preparing for the inner wars you can face. You know, what I also like to do and what I also tell people when I'm uh, coaching them is take the six dimensions and put on a scale from one to ten. How do you fit one being the least and ten being I'm fabulous? And then take a look at those numbers and see how can you begin to balance out the numbers into a healthy pattern. Now, I believe nobody can ever reach number ten. And I believe none of us should ever be at number one, but it is possible. So we must daily be working at ourselves. And once again, I say take that seven day approach. Six days of the week, focus on working on your your dimensions of health. And on the seventh, just focus on balancing all that you've worked on in through rest. Even ask someone you trust to be honest with you and tell you, what they think your score should be in regards to some of those dimensions. Then examine it and see where you need improvement and work on it. And my friends, to really make this effective, write it down. Keep that piece of paper on you at all times, something you can reflect on frequently. Whether you carry a little notebook, maybe in your wallet. Me, I carry my Bible a lot, so I just have one tucked in my Bible. Being balanced is what will make you more complete. 
not just to be prepared for self-reliance, but it will also balance your relationship with others and more importantly, your relationship with God. Well, friends, I, I took a little bit longer than I thought I would today. I just really wanted to start opening up the mind and start working through things that help contribute towards self-reliant September. But not only that, just preparing for life in period. And to really begin to prepare for anything, we got to get our health in check. And our health is not always just what you ate or what you drank. But it's what are you doing? What are you thinking? How are you spending your time? How, how are you internally thinking and moving? How does your heart feel? All of these things are what balance us into making us who we really want to be, which is the best version of ourselves with purpose and a true function to help one another. Well, time is going. I'm going to wrap this up about now, but I'm happy that you were all were able to join me today. And I look forward to continuing with you. As I said, I'm just trying out certain things. So some of these podcasts may be a little bit longer where we dig in and start looking into applications to our life. And then some of them will just be a nice little inspirational thought for the morning. But as we go through... I'll let you know what's happening. But what I can say is thank you for joining us. And we pray that you were blessed by the information that was shared and blessed by the word. I'm your host, The Wandering Avad. And today's devotional was also brought to you by The Adama Project. This is the Tinder Bundle. But before you go, remember, be fruitful, be blessed, and be safe. Godspeed, Godspeed, my friends, and may you all have a wonderful day. Bless.